Hi, friends. Welcome to Genesis. My name is Emily, and I'm Mike's wife, the pastor here at Genesis, and I have the privilege and honor of speaking to you tonight. Ooh. So here at Genesis, we fully believe in having open doors and open hearts, so I hopefully, I, eh, sorry, <laughs> I hope that when you came in tonight, you felt welcomed, and now I hope you have an open heart as well as we dive into the word together. So some of you know me very well, and I know you very well. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I was not expecting this. Okay, but others of you only know what you may have seen of me here and there, what Mike says about me, or what you see on social media, and um, some of you have, may have noticed that every time Mike mentions me, I cry like I am right now, but really, this is more of an involuntary watering of the eyes, and it happens a lot, like, um, so it happens when I'm proud of someone, when I don't want it to happen, like right now, or, um, but don't get me wrong, I am a crier, and I cry super easily, but this is not always the case um, when I'm crying, when I'm normally sitting right there. Um, but also, little fun fact, the last time I did any kind of public speaking was at my high school graduation, and I was a salutatorian of my class. I missed valedictorian by .001, and of course, like, I'm not bitter at all, but... Um, <laughs> Mike has joked on multiple occasions that I did an okay job at delivering his speech. I mean, he did help me with it, and I'm so thankful that he did. I even had to use autocorrect to spell salutatorian in these notes. So I can only imagine how bad that speech was several years ago. Um, but a few other th things about me real quick. I'm an only child. I grew up here at Northwood, the academy, and the church. Um, but my parents owned a sports bar. Um, or sports bars the entire time I was growing up. So I would spend my week at a private Christian school, and then I'd spend my Saturday mornings counting mini liquor bottles and eating my weight in wings and cheese sticks, um, the best bar foods there are. But I came to Christ at a young age, but my faith really got tested when my dad passed away. Um, when I was a senior in high school, Gosh, was not expecting that either. <laughs> this is crying, not involuntary watering. Um, but God is faithful, and he's brought me through that, along with the death of several other family members. And Mike is a huge part of my testimony, and I don't know where I would be without him. And he's my best friend. And God gave us Sammy, and he is seven months old, and he's the most adorable little boy that I've ever seen. And I am biased, but it's fine. Um, whew. So my favorite thing in the world is to be a wife and mom. And if I didn't have responsibilities, I would spend my days hopping from thrift store to Goodwill, back to Goodwill, and back to a thrift store, finding all the good deals and hidden treasures that there are to find. But since I can't do that, I'm a bookkeeper here at the church, and before working here, I was in public accounting, and that was just not the life for me. I say that I went into accounting because I know what .001 can mean to someone, but really, I just love numbers and puzzles, and I'm the weirdo that does Sudoku for fun. Um, but, and you'll hear a little bit more of my heart for numbers and finances without the crying, 
Thursday on the new episode of the Genesis Continued podcast. Um, but that's enough about me, and feel free to ask me anything. I really am an open book. Um, but for the past two weeks, we've been in this series called The Moral of the Story, where we're taking different parables in Scripture and seeing what Jesus says about them and how they can apply to our lives. So several weeks ago, I felt the Holy Spirit give me an idea or a thought of possibly speaking here at Genesis, and I was completely nervous and scared at just the thought of that, and it even took me a few days to bring it up to Mike, but when I finally did, he was so gracious and excited and jumped at the chance of encouraging me at this, but even with all of his support in the world, I'm still super nervous. Um, So now that I have all the sappy stuff out of the way, I just have one question for you, or rather for Mike, are your eyes watering yet? But before I begin diving into scripture, I would like to invite the Holy Spirit one more time into this message, into my words, into this room, and into your hearts. So if you would, please pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for everything that you've given me. Thank you for this message that um, I believe is truly from you. Lord, calm all my nerves and anxieties. Allow me to be your mouthpiece tonight and help me to get through this. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. Okay, so now let's open our Bibles to Luke 18. This is the parable of the persistent widow. So now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. So in these first few verses, a few things are set. So Luke tells us this is a parable of Jesus. Jesus is the he in verse one. And that this is going to show us that we should always pray even when we don't want to and even when we want to get up, give up. And that there are two people in the story, the widow and the judge. Okay, so let's keep reading. Luke 18, four through eight. For a while, he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? So have we seen in the previous weeks of this series, in most or all the parables, there are two different parties, one that represents God and one that represents us. So in the parable of the sower, the most common interpretation is that God is the sower and we are the ground. But Mike pointed out that we can also be the sower when we're the ones spreading the gospel. And then last week, Mike talked about the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value. In both of these short parables, the kingdom of God is the thing of value, and we are the person that sees or possibly misses the thing of value in these treasures. So in tonight's parable of the persistent widow, naturally you would think that we would be the person coming to the judge, the widow, and but that would make God the unjust judge, which we know that's not the case because that doesn't line up with the rest of Scripture. God is not unjust. But in this parable, God is not to be compared to the unjust judge, but to be contrasted with him. So if the unjust judge is willing to grant justice because of the persistence, then how much more would our loving heavenly father want to extend justice? 
So in this parable, Jesus does not promise that all of our requests will be answered swiftly in the way we see fit. He says in verse 7, will not God grant justice to his elect to cry out to him day and night? Now, don't get hung up on the wording of his elect right now. If you have a relationship with Jesus or are seeking a relationship with Jesus, I truly believe you're part of his elect. But if you want to get deeper into that wording, we totally can. It's just a time for a different message or a different conversation entirely. Okay, so back to verse 7. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? I believe this verse is plainly saying that God hears all of our requests, that nothing falls on deaf ears. But in the big picture, only one prayer request truly matters, and that's the prayer of salvation. I believe this passage, as well as other scriptures, point us to the fact that anytime we call on Jesus for salvation, we are immediately met with that salvation. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's not a prayer request we have to wait on or be persistent about. Does Jesus care about our other prayer requests? Absolutely. But no other prayer request determines where we spend our eternity. We either spend our eternity with God, the Father, creator of the universe, and Lord Jesus Christ, or we spend it in hell apart from him and apart from his love, grace, and mercy. So I believe that this passage of scripture is saying that whenever we choose to call on him, day or night, he will be there eager and excited to meet us with salvation, save our souls, and begin our eternity with him. But when the verse says, swiftly grant them justice, that makes me think of a magic genie. Any Aladdin fans out there? (laughs) I haven't seen it yet, but totally want to. Is God able to answer any request we make the moment we make, make it and pray to him like a genie? Absolutely. But more times than not, God's timetable is much different than our own. Something he could be considered swift could be days, weeks, years, decades, centuries from what we know it to be. From the time of the fall of humanity in Genesis to when Jesus was born is estimated to be 4,000 years. And that's incomprehensible in our 13, in our 13, in our 18 to 30 year little lifespans. Because we live in an instapot, Instagram, Insta everything culture, we can't seem to wait for anything. We think that if God doesn't answer our prayer request by the time the commercial break is over, that he's not listening. And that's just not true. God listens to everything we say to him. But this passage shows us that there's actually something we can do to get God's attention a little bit more. The widow in this passage was persistent, relentless. Think about when you were trying to get your mom's attention when you were little. Mom, 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 mommy, mom, 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 mom. And then she would finally answer. Or Mike and I see this a lot personally with our dog Bear and Sammy, our son. Bear will, our dog will just jump and jump and jump and jump and jump at the back door until we finally let him out. Or Mike's personal favorite, he'll just sit there and whine at the trees like he can get into the trees until we let him out. I mean, I know this is probably definitely poor dog training on our part, but eventually we just give in and let him out. And same with Sammy. If he cries or whines for his favorite toy, which right now is a spoon, or a snack, eventually we give in to him and give it to him. And that's essentially what God's saying here. He's saying that even if an unjust judge, our moms, or we as imperfect people, would give in to a persistent person, then how much more would our loving Heavenly Father give us our request? Sometimes you just have to be persistent. So I remember praying the same prayer for years with what looked like no hope in sight and no end in sight. 
It even got to the point where we got bad news, and I didn't think there'd be any kind of happy outcome. But God, God heard every single prayer that I prayed and that others prayed. And what I prayed for finally happened. I wasn't thinking that, why did it take God so long? Or I finally said something or did something right. I was thinking how big and how massive our God is and was. And that he's in the details. Even though he's so big, he's also in the details. I didn't cry in any run-throughs, I promise. There's so many details in this story that we'll have to wait for another time. But God knew the perfect time and place to answer this request. And I'm not sure why he chose to answer it. And I can't wait to ask him one day when I get to heaven. But I can already see how good his timing is. I mean, for real. After everything in this book, in all of eternity, you would think that we would have more faith in his timing. But, and I still don't know why he chose to answer the request, why and how he did but I know that in the process of persistence that I was changed. Something happens in your mind and in your body and your spirit. When you give something over to God day in and day out, persistent and relentlessly, my eyes were opened up that this life has nothing to do about me. Sometimes in the process you realize or maybe you remember that this life is not about you at all. It's about bringing glory to the Father. Realize that though God cares about your request, he gave you everything you will ever have need of on that cross 2,000 years ago. You realize that if God doesn't grant you your request, there may be pain. You may not get what you want, but God is still good. And that's enough. God is still on his throne, and that's enough. And that's a very humbling place and a headspace I wish I was in more often. But sometimes it takes you getting you getting to your lowest spot for God, for you to find God the most. And so some of you might find yourselves in a spot right now where you have an unanswered prayer in your life. So what do you do? Let's look at Jesus' life to see how we should be going about this whole prayer thing. So throughout Jesus' life, he prayed at his baptism through his temptation, before he chose his disciples, he spent that entire night in prayer. Before he asked them, who do you say I am? He spent that whole night in prayer. And probably most famously, he spent the whole night before his crucifixion in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus told us that apart from him, we can do nothing. If Jesus, God in the flesh, saw that he can do nothing on his own, then why would we go through our lives thinking with so little emphasis on prayer? I feel like most Christians don't have a robust, robust prayer life, myself included. But it looks like, based on what we see in Jesus' life and his teaching, that we should pray a lot more than we probably do. And I don't know about you, but I feed my body two to three to four or eight times a day. But we only feed our spirits once or twice a day, maybe only once a week. And I don't think that's the robust prayer life that God wants for us. And the disciples realized this too. They knew that the source of even Jesus' power was prayer. So they asked Jesus to teach them to pray because they wanted that for themselves too. So let's read one of the scriptures where Jesus talks about praying. You may have heard it before. 
He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. This may not be the exact version you're used to. The more well-known version of the Lord's Prayer can be found in Matthew 6. But there you have it. Jesus teaches us to pray, and the disciples in turn, sorry, Jesus teaches the disciples and in turn us how to pray. Now, of course, you can pray exactly like this. You can use it as a template of how to pray to God, or you can talk freely to God. Before Jesus, God's people did not have a direct line to God. But because of Jesus, we have a very direct line to God. We have the freedom to pray to him whenever and wherever we want to, and that is something we need to take full advantage of. So let's continue reading what is said immediately after this well-known scripture. This is Luke 11, 5 through 12. He also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, wow. So there's a lot going on right after Jesus teaches the disciples to pray with using what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. But I see a lot of similarities in this passage to the passage we read earlier of the persistent widow. In the scripture, we see a man come to his friend, friend's house asking for bread for another friend of his. I mean, if someone woke me, Mike, Sammy, and Barrett at 3 a.m. asking for a cracker, I really don't think how willing I would be to serve at that moment. But this man in the story keeps asking, so the friend finally gives in and gives him the bread. I mean, what other option does he have? Does he sit there ignoring the annoying friend who won't leave him alone? How can he when the friend wakes up his entire house asking for food? If the friend won't take no for an answer, you just eventually have to give in. And I think we might be some of the only parents in the room, but you all have things you love like children. For some of you, it might be the children you teach in your class, or others, it might be your family, or your friends, or even your goals. And others of you, it might be your dog, or your cat. And if it's your cat, I will pray especially for you. <laughs> but you all have someone or something that would do any, you would do anything for. And think about those people or things as we reread verses 11 through 13. So what father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So God never promised to give you everything you asked for, but he won't give you anything that will hurt you either. 
just because he, you may ask for a fish, it doesn't mean you're going to get a fish. But God is also not going to give you something that would hurt you like a snake. So God may not always answer our requests exactly how we want him to. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that because he is so much wiser and smarter than I could ever be. But he also won't give us something that would hurt us instead of what we prayed for, like a snake or a scorpion in this example. So I hope you can see the parallels from this passage to the passage of the persistent widow. Both people were relentless and they did not give up, even when it would have been much easier to give up. So what, we can't, so what can we take away from these stories tonight? First is that God wants us to have a robust prayer life. He wants us to be in constant communion with him. We could feel like we pray for something to happen a lot, but are you really praying about it or are you just thinking about it? There is a difference. Write your prayers down. Talk to someone you trust about them and so that they can be praying on your behalf as well. And second, be persistent. So I have a funny story about being persistent. And it's from Mike and I's dating story, which our whole dating story is a funny one. But um, so we were dating about, or we were friends for about two to three years in high school before we ever started dating. And I was in love with him the whole time, and everybody knew it, and it's okay. I just knew what I wanted. And, um, well, we would hang out on at Applebee's on Rivers Avenue um, multiple times a week. And Mike, being the gentleman that he is, would walk me out to my car um, because, as you, some of you may know, that's not the best area of town, especially at night. And we would talk and chat, and then I'd get in my car and go home. And at some point, I started saying out loud, I'm going to date that boy one day, like to myself, like in my car. And weeks would go by, months would go by. Then I'd start saying, I'm going to date that boy one day, and I'm going to kiss that boy one day. And then we're not, like, we're talking about, like, other girls in his life. Like, this is not, like, it's wild. And then eventually I started saying, I'm going to date that boy one day, I'm going to kiss that boy one day, and I'm going to marry that boy one day. The whole time, we're not even talking, we're not dating, none of this is happening. And I know that sounds like something a creepy stalker girl would do, but I just knew in the depths of my heart that I was going to marry this man. And I know that's a weird story to demonstrate persistence, but if we can be persistent on Netflix binges, in school, on diets, or in our love lives, how much more persistent and consistent should we be in our walk with God? And Jesus is the ultimate example of persistence. We learned tonight that God wants us to be persistent in coming to him with our request, but also our lives. One of the most amazing things I think about God is that he never asks us to do something that he's not willing to do himself. He asks us to be persistent because Jesus is persistent after us. He asks us to pick up our cross because he first picked up his. And he asks us to die to ourselves because he first died for us. And this is good news tonight. This is the good news. Jesus came to this earth as a perfect man, fully human, fully God. And he paved a way back for us. He paved the way for us back to God the Father. He died a gruesome death and arose three days later, completely victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And in a minute, I'm going to invite the band to come up. But if you don't get anything else from tonight besides the fact that I'm a crier, I want you to know that with all you are, that Jesus is coming after you so hard. But since he's coming after you, he also wants you to come after him. Luke eleven nine, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. And in each of those little sections, there's an action step that we have to take towards Jesus. And right now, all we have to do is take one little step, and he will be right there waiting for you. So right now, when the band um, makes its way back up, we're about to go into a song called Reckless Love. And in the bridge, it says, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Jesus is coming after you tonight, y'all. Persistent, relentless. Receive him tonight and start running toward him like you never have before. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this night. Thank you so much for the prompting that you've given me a few weeks ago to share this message tonight. I pray over each and every individual in this room that they would realize how persistent you are after each and every one of us, that you would leave the 99 just for us, and that you would come to this earth just for us. Lord, we thank you for that. I pray over the unanswered prayer request in this room that we do not lose heart, that we keep praying those, and that, Lord, you would listen and that you would hear us. Lord, I just thank you so much for each and every individual in this room. I thank you for their stories, for their families, for their spouses or roommates or coworkers and all their families. Lord, I just pray over each and every one of them. Thank you so much for bringing them here tonight. And Lord, meet us where we're at. Lord, we know that you're coming after us. Lord, help us to turn our hearts back to you tonight. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen.